of our Construction Law Back to Basics podcasts, a series of podcasts by Stevenson Bolton's construction and engineering team designed to provide listeners with an overview of the core construction law principles you need to be aware of throughout the key stages of a construction project. Whether you are procuring a professional team or looking to pursue a claim, our series of podcasts hopes to provide you with a succinct summary of the practical points that need to be at the forefront of your mind as a project moves from conception to completion. I'm Claire Perry, a senior associate at Stevens and Bolton, and I'm joined today by my colleague Lauren Melnick, an associate within the team, to discuss what happens when disputes arise. Thank you, Claire. In today's podcast, we'll be looking at common disputes, contractual mechanisms for dispute resolution, what happens in the absence of any express contractual mechanisms, and common forms of dispute resolution. Thanks, Lauren. So over the last few weeks, we've discussed the various stages of the construction project, from starting to procurement, to considering contracts, dealing with changes, contract management and concluding the project. But even where the parties act with the best of intentions, it is almost inevitable that disputes will sometimes arise. So what happens when the parties don't agree? Claire, I think construction disputes is a topic that could easily justify a set of podcasts all by itself. Absolutely. Um, So for today's purposes, we will concentrate on just some of the key areas of dispute and dispute resolution procedures in the context of a construction project. So construction projects really range from small one-off residential projects to really large-scale international infrastructure works. When thinking about construction disputes, people often focus on a dispute over the value of the final account after the works have been completed. Lauren, this was something that you considered in your podcast last week? Yes, we did. We, we touched upon this and how it's important to keep on top of the figures throughout the life cycle of a project, make it easier to agree the final account and mitigate chances of a dispute. But disputes can and do arise at any time during the course of the project and sometimes even years after completion. Most commonly, disputes relate to disagreements over one or more of three main elements being time, money and quality issues, usually referred to in the construction industry as defects. So, Lauren, can you start us off with briefly covering disputes relating to time? Absolutely. So disputes over time can arise at any time during a project. There may be a disagreement during the project over the consequences of a variation or other event, which may affect the sequence of work set out in an agreed programme, or it could be at the end of a project where the work fails to reach practical completion by an agreed completion date, particularly if the contract contains provision for liquidated damages, which are pre-agreed sums of money to be paid by the contractor in the event of late completion. Standard form construction contracts will usually contain extension of time provisions, which set out the basis on which extra time will be assessed and allowed. But these are rarely straightforward in practice, and working out the overriding cause of a delay amid a number of competing events can be difficult and time-consuming. And you also mentioned money disputes, Claire. Yeah, so similarly, disputes over cost and or fees often relate to variations or other events that occur during the term of the project. These can form the subject of interim payment disputes or perhaps a dispute over the final account sum. As with time, standard form construction contracts will usually contain provisions for agreeing an increase or change in the fee due to a variation or other event, but the parties can disagree over the interpretation and or implementation of those provisions. Contracts will also usually contain a process for valuing the works for the purposes of making an interim payment, as well as for the final account, and we now have the provisions of the Construction Act and the scheme, which will imply certain payment terms into a construction contract where they are not expressly 
included, but disputes can and do arise over valuations and subsequent payments. Yeah, absolutely. So lastly, the third most common type of dispute you mentioned is defects. Now, disputes over defective work can arise during the term of a project or during the rectification period following interim inspections or may only come to light years after the end of a project when a latent defect is discovered, as well as claims against contractors and subcontractors for defective work. Professional negligence claims against consultants often arise in the context of defects. If, for example, a claim that an architect or designer was negligent in its design of the work, or that a consultant failed to identify a defect in the work that it was tasked with inspecting. So Claire, I think it might be useful if we take a look at the characteristics of a construction dispute. Yes, of course. So construction disputes are often of a technical and or complex nature. They can involve a large number of contractual and technical documents. And because of this, expert evidence often plays a central role. A dispute may require the involvement of experts of multiple disciplines, for example, an expert in the defendant's particular field, such as a civil engineer or mechanical and electrical engineer, um, a delay expert and or a quantum expert. A single dispute can also involve more than two parties, as disputes over the works may relate to the actions of not just an employer and main contractor, but also subcontractors, suppliers and or design consultants across various disciplines and different contracts with services and or works which were completed at different stages during the life of the project. Partly because of the specific technical and complex nature of even small value construction disputes, but also because construction disputes during the life of the project need to be resolved quickly in order for the project to continue, there are various forms of dispute resolution that have been established to help deal with the construction disputes as quickly and efficiently as possible. So Lauren, that nicely brings us on to the different forms of dispute resolution. Yeah, but before we discuss formal dispute resolution options, I think it's worth noting the sometimes overlooked informal option to resolve a disagreement by direct commercial negotiation between the parties. Because if, if appropriate, this can be an economic and quick way to settle a dispute. Of course, yes. However, there, there are obviously sometimes reasons why direct negotiation between the parties is not appropriate or it just doesn't result in a resolution at an early stage. Because of the likelihood of a dispute or disagreement at some stage during the construction process, all of the major standard form construction contracts include dispute resolution provisions. These set out a procedure for the parties to follow in the event of a dispute or disagreement in relation to the project. Taking the JCT design and build contract 2016 as an example, clause 9 sets out the contractual dispute resolution procedure there. Um, and that's as direct negotiation and mediation, although that's not a mandatory requ requirement, adjudication and litigation for final determination of a dispute. But this could instead be by arbitration, although in practice, as JCT contracts are most often used on domestic product projects, arbitration is rarely selected. And Article 9 and Clause 1.10 confirm that any disputes are subject to English law. Yeah, and other standard form con contracts contain similar provisions, although some of them can be more prescriptive about the route to be followed. For example, the NEC4 engineering and construction contract has options for mandatory negotiation between senior individuals of the parties before the parties can refer the dispute to a formal or legal dispute resolution process. Although, as we'll discuss in a moment, this requirement cannot be used where the Construction Act applies. Some construction contracts may also contain alternative procedures, such as expert determination, mandatory mediation, 
or a dispute resolution board. Um, but for the purposes of today, we will take a very brief look at the most commonly used forms of dispute resolution. So Lauren, could you start us off with adjudication, please? Of course. So adjudication was introduced as a dispute resolution method for the construction industry in order to ensure that payment disputes could be resolved quickly and protect cash flow during the construction project, as well as minimising any impact on the progress of the project. In adjudication, disputes are determined by an adjudicator within a short time scale. An adjudication can, can be and often is included in a construction contract, but if not, parties to a construction contract as defined in the Act still have an absolute right to adjudicate at any time by virtue of the Construction Act. The party's right to refer a dispute to adjudication at any time is mandatory, and this means that you cannot contract out of this right, and or where the Construction Act applies, a contract cannot require you to jump through any hoops before being able to adjudicate. And probably due to the quick timescale for adjudications, which is 28 days under the Construction Act, the resulting lower costs and the fact that you can't be required to pay the other side's costs this has become the most commonly used form of dispute resolution within the construction industry over the last decade. Yes, however, unlike a court judgment or arbitration award, an adjudication decision is temporary in nature. So it is binding on the parties, but only unless and until the dispute is finally resolved by litigation or arbitration. This is because adjudication has been recognised as providing rough and ready justice, as there isn't time for the dispute to be considered in the same way that it would be in litigation or arbitration. However, the process enables the parties to get on with the project and have the dispute finally resolved in litigation or arbitration at a later stage if they so wish. In practice, many disputes are not referred to litigation or arbitration following adjudication. In addition, the Technology and Construction Court has developed an expedited process for the enforcement of adjudication decisions by way of summary judgment. The court takes a pro-enforcement approach and will generally enforce an adjudication decision unless the adjudicator lacked jurisdiction or there was a breach of natural justice, although both of these have high thresholds to prove. The court will not consider the underlying merits of the dispute, um, whether the adjudicator was right or wrong. And one point to note is that while the right to refer a dispute to adjudication at any time is mandatory and cannot be contracted out of, the interim nature of the award can be changed by agreement within a contract. For example, the NEC4 Engineering and Construction Contract contains a provision which states that unless a party issues a notice of dissatisfaction to the other party within a specified time period, the adjudication award will become final and binding. So in contrast, Claire, what about litigation? Yes, so the other main form of dispute resolution for construction disputes, either where a party disagrees with an adjudicator's award and or a party feels that adjudication is not appropriate, for example, with a complex or high value dispute over latent defects involving multiple parties. So that would be legal proceedings. There is a specific pre-action protocol for construction and engineering disputes, which sets out a series of steps which parties involved in construction and engineering disputes must follow before they can commence proceedings in the Technology and Construction Court. So the purpose of the protocol is to encourage the exchange of information early on, to enable the parties to avoid litigation and hopefully agree a settlement. In practice, many construction claims which follow this pre-action process do settle, either through commercial negotiation or mediation, following the exchange of information which is encouraged by the protocol. 
If the pre-action process fails to bring a resolution, the parties can then issue a claim in the Technology and Construction Court. The Technology and Construction Court is a specialist group of courts within the Business and Property Courts of the High Court of Justice. It deals with technically complex claims and issues, and its remit therefore captures building, construction and engineering disputes. So lastly, Lauren, we have arbitration. Yes, we do. So some construction contracts instead contain a requirement for arbitration as the final form of dispute resolution as an alternative to litigation. However, in practice, arbitration is rarely used for domestic contracts for various reasons and is more likely to be found in an international context. There are other various forms of alternative dispute resolution available for construction disputes, um, such as expert determination, dispute resolution boards and early neutral evalu evaluation to name a few. The extent to which these may be appropriate will depend on the type of project and the requirements of the parties. But as noted earlier, none of these will stop the parties from using adjudication at any time in any event. So I think that brings us to a close, Claire. Thanks, Lauren. So yes, as we've seen, there are different forms of dispute resolution which the parties can select to suit their preferences for a particular project, either by putting these into the contract or by agreeing to use them when a dispute arises. However, given the success of adjudication generally within the industry and the mandatory right to refer a dispute to adjudication at any time, it seems likely that adjudication will remain a popular choice for many construction disputes. Ultimately, the choice of how to deal with a dispute when it arises will depend upon a number of different factors in each case, including what the contract stipulates, the size and nature of the dispute, at what point the dispute arises during or after the construction process, and the potential cost implications of the different processes. So I think that brings us to an end. So thank you all for tuning in today and listening to this podcast, which is the last in our current Back to Back Basics series by the construction and engineering team here at Stevens and Bolton. And if you have any questions or would like any further information on what we've discussed today or during the rest of our Back to Basics podcast series, please don't hesitate to get in touch with myself, Claire, or your usual Stevens and Bolton contact. That just leaves me to say thank you for listening today and to wish you all a very good day. Thanks. Bye.